0: Welcome, everyone, to the Theology Central podcast for this Thursday, December the 9th, 2021. It is currently 5.52 p.m. Central Time. And, well, I'm coming to you live, as always, from the empty sanctuary of Victory Baptist Church, located right here in Ovalo, Texas. We're currently outside... It's 77 degrees. The sun is almost completely down. It, the sun has set. The earth has turned. It is slow, beginning to get dark outside, but 77 degrees here in December, here in West Texas. I tell you that, one, to make you jealous, to make you envious. I know those. That's actually would be sinful, but I, I, I'm telling you that to make you envious and, and hopefully a good way so envious that you will sell everything that you have, pack all of your belongings into a U-Haul and move right here to West Texas so, well, that you could come to the very church that I'm sitting in. See, 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 it's a win-win situation. You leave that frozen, horrible place that you currently live where it's cold and snow and whatever nonsense is going on. and you move to a place where it's 77 degrees and December, right? Does, does that work? Probably not. And you know what? Let's be honest. You didn't turn, you did not tune into this podcast to hear about the weather or to get a sales pitch for why you should move to West Texas. It's probably not what you tuned in. No, you tuned in because you saw the headline and you were like, wait, what is going on? Who doesn't believe that? You probably are asking, but before we get to the headline, before we get to this news story, and I had to I had to do a little searching to try to find the actual story because I think I originally saw it at christianheadlines.com. And I started reading the story and I made it like two paragraphs. And they said, now, what do you do next? Oh, you give us $74 a year so that you can read our news stories. And I'm like, I'm not doing that. So I ended up at Christianity Today, where they appear to have the entire story. So we will look at the story from there. But before we get to the story, let's go back to the 1990s. The 1990s, Bellevue, Nebraska. Base housing, which when I say base housing, I was in the United States Air Force, the base housing at Offutt Air Force Base, that that was the military base, Offutt Air Force Base, wasn't actually located on the base, okay? But base housing, Offutt Air Force Base, it's, I don't know if it was a Monday night, no, it had to be, it was probably a, a Saturday night, it was either a Friday or a Saturday night, I had some people over. For a boxing pay-per-view, because I have always loved boxing. Even when I was young, I would go to closed-circuit uh, places where they had closed-circuit television so that I could see uh, different big fights. So I've been a big boxing fan forever. And so we were, there was a boxing pay-per-view. And it had to be a Friday or Saturday night, if I remember. And I cannot remember, uh, I can't remember if it was Foreman that was fighting. I don't remember the fight. Because the reason I don't remember the fight is because I was so so shocked by the conversation. Because here's what happened. We're sitting there on the couch. I think it was maybe, you know, the lower card fights. We really weren't getting into any, you know, serious fights. So the, the fights were on, but people were having lots of conversations. So... Uh, most, I think everyone there went to, I think we all went to the same church, but I, almost every I think everyone in the room were professing Christians, right? And there was a person sitting next to me who had gone to church with me for, for years while I lived in Nebraska. He'd been going to church, I don't know for how long, but he goes to our church. He's a member of the church you think, okay, you know, he, he 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 has at least a basic understanding, right? So we start talking about Jesus, and someone said something about Jesus as being like the eternal son of God, or being God in the flesh, something along those lines, and I'll never forget, he looked at me with this confused look like, wait, Jesus is like eternal? I'm like, yeah, and he's like, so like he didn't, he his beginning wasn't like, in Bethlehem? I'm like, no, like like, I'm looking at like, okay, what's the punchline? Like what's the joke here? What's the joke? And it come to find out he was completely and utterly confused about who Jesus was, like he didn't really understand Jesus being eternal, Jesus being God in the flesh, the eternal son of God. There was like these basic ideas that I would just assume anyone who went to the church would know. And it it was even, I mean, I'm not saying the, the church had a good doctrinal statement. The church was sound theologically in its doctrinal statement, but something somewhere went way wrong. I mean, something, something went way wrong and the person obviously got didn't even understand. Was never questioned. I don't know. Something went wrong. He didn't understand some basic things about Christ. And you may say, "Well, that's crazy. That's it. that would never happen in my church." Now, maybe, m- maybe you you go to a church that that would never happen. But I would challenge you if you if you handed out. I, I mean, I want you to really think about this. If you handed out a basic theology test in your church, just a basic theology test, basic things about the deity of Christ, the the hypostatic union, uh, the the trinity, uh, the eternality of Christ, the the humanity of Christ, uh, his death, resurrection, justification, sanctification. I mean, just some basic concept, justification, uh, imputed righteousness versus infused righteousness, some basic concepts that are just a part of Christian theology, I want you to th- think about this. Honestly, how do you think the people in your church would do? How would you, how would you, you, how do you think the people in the church would do? And I ask this question because there's a philosophy among many pastors. Well, you know, I'm not there to give a seminary education from the pulpit. All right. Okay. Well, if it's, if you're not going to give them quote unquote, a seminary education, because they always say that in such a derogatory way, like, well, my thing is the seminary is to equip people for ministry and the pulpit is supposed to be equipping people for ministry. Okay, well, well, you know, call me crazy, right? But okay, so if it's not supposed to happen from the pulpit, where is it supposed to happen? Well, they'll say, well, it's supposed to occur in Sunday school. Okay, really? Because I've gone to too many Sunday school classes and too many churches where it seems to be 15, 20 minutes where everyone's drinking coffee, eating donuts and talking. And then we get a, a little bit of a Bible lesson where a lot of people then sit around and everyone tells tells you what they think it means, and you really don't walk away with much of anything. So I've seen too much of Sunday school that really is not that in-depth teaching. And so then they'll say, well, no, it's supposed to happen in the small groups. And I do believe that maybe the initial principle of small groups was supposed to be a place where people could really dig in. But I've gone to too many. I've I've been to too many small groups or heard about small groups that turn into more of a, how can we say it, more into a uh, social club where there's snacks, do a little bit of singing, everyone talks about their week, and once again, and in many cases, Sunday school and in the small groups, a lot of times it's like, okay, guys, we're gonna go through this book or we're gonna go through this book. Now you read it, and then you show up, and then we discuss it. It becomes more a discussion typically about a book that half of the people in the small group or the Sunday school class aren't, they're not actually reading it. <laughs> they're not actually working through it. Some will, most will not. So you, they're really like, so, so what are people really getting? So where are they really going to get this in-depth doctrine and theology? Some will say, well, that, that's reserved for the new members class. Okay, well, I'm not opposed to a new members class. That's wonderful. But why doesn't it happen constantly from the pulpit? What, what, where is the disconnect? Now, I ask all of those questions because this news article once again brings to light the possible lack of true theological knowledge, not only outside of the church, which I'm not surprised by that, but it even hints at maybe inside the church. And this lack of theological knowledge, I'm going to lay right at the foot of every church and say churches are responsible and here's where I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get myself in trouble. And a part of it is because of the absolute, I, I hate to say this, embarrassing, blasphemous way we handle the holiday of Christmas. I think the way many churches handle handles the holiday of Christmas is not only embarrassing, I think it's blasphemous and I think it's sad and I think we should all be embarrassed by it. And I know when I say that I'm going to get lots of pushback and people are going to get upset with me, but I, I, I pay too much attention to what churches do at this time of year, and I'm always just utterly shocked by it and confused by it. But Christians at this time of the year, in many cases, become more worried about if they're if the person at target's going to say Merry Christmas, and if when they go over and look at the quote-unquote Christmas trees, if they say holiday trees, they're ready to protest and never buy anything from there again. They're more worried about what the world is doing than they're really worried about what's going on in their own church this time of year. Let, let's get to the story. Here we go. All right, I got to, uh, all right, go, go, because my the, the this website's trying to get me to subscribe, and I don't want to subscribe to anything. I just want the news story. Here we go. Most Christians, oh, I'm sorry, most Americans. Okay, I'm I'm getting ahead of myself. Most Americans and many Christians. Now, the only problem I have with this story is I don't know if it ever truly indicates how many Christians, but I I have experienced it enough to at least say we've got to talk about it. So I'm not gonna make a I'm not gonna make a declaration of percentages other than what the news story may report because I don't know if we can be dogmatic but I will tell you there's a problem in your church I be, even in my church of of a of sometimes someone will say something I'm like what and the where did you what are you talking about that's not what we teach here that that's not doctrine what are you talking and sometimes I'm utterly shocked and horrified okay but I'll, I'll, I'll even tell another story. When I first became a pastor, so I'm a pastor of this church, of, of the only church I've ever been a pastor of, this very church that I'm sitting in, I'll never forget, I don't know, it was two weeks in, three weeks in, four weeks in. It, it, I had not even been a pastor a month. And I was like, okay, guys, everyone give me a, a definition of the doctrine of the Trinity, go. And everyone started giving me definitions of the doctrine of the Trinity. And I'll never forget. I just looked at everyone in total horror and shock. I think I didn't really say much at the time. I think I got in the car and basically cried all the way home going, how did I become a pastor of a church full of heretics? And you're thinking that that's extreme, but it's not extreme because they all gave me a definition that was modalism, Sabellianism. They basically gave me a definition that there's one God who manifests in three different ways, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, which is complete denial of the doctrine of the Trinity, because the doctrine of the Trinity is not one God manifesting in three different ways, it's one God co-existing from eternity as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, co-equal and co-eternal, all right? So I, I even there, the, these people all had gone to church, these people all had long histories of going to churches, but had never been taught a correct understanding of the Trinity, There are problems in the church. There is a theological illiteracy in the church. So now here's the story. So most Americans and many Christians don't believe the son of God existed before the manger. What I don't know about you, but I, I, I'm like, wait, what, wait. Now, again, most Americans, not shocked by that. Don't expect the world, I don't expect the world to understand anything. But when it says many Christians, it shouldn't say any Christians. But it, the fact that it says many Christians also don't believe the Son of God existed before the manger. That means they deny the eternality of Jesus Christ, which then destroys the deity of Jesus Christ. If he's not eternal, he's not God. If he's not God, then how could he save us? Okay. What, what, what is the problem here? Right. Like, what, where is the disconnect? And why is it, would this ever show up in churches who supposedly, I mean, everywhere I look, they have their Christmas extravaganza. They have the living nativity. They have the living Christmas tree. They have singing. They have, they have children dressed up as Joseph and Mary. They have donkeys. They have everything. They have that beautiful, you know, uh, candlelight Christmas Eve service. Oh, it's so beautiful. It's so wonderful. Yet people don't have a basic understanding of who Christ is. Well, let's read a little bit about this story. because, I'm, Again, I'm just a little bit perplexed here. They says there's widespread agreement around Christmas as a historical event but people are confused about the trinity per a recent survey. Well, I would say they're confused about the trinity. If you don't believe Jesus is eternal, <laughs> clearly you, clearly you're not a trinitarian, <laughs> all right? Clearly you're not. I mean, you, oh, wait. Did did possibly <laughs> did when we go back to the early uh, church heresy of Arianism, did 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 Arius win? Are the Jehovah's Witnesses correct? Like what 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 happened here? I mean, we get into a whole discussion about ancient church uh, uh, church history. Which again, if that was taught in churches, maybe we wouldn't have some of these issues. But here's the story: Christmas is a celebration of a real event, according to most Americans. J- uh, so Christmas is a celebration of a real event, according to most Americans. Just don't expect them to know exactly why Jesus was born and came to earth. Now, again, I am not in any way at all could surprised, shocked, or even really that worried that the world doesn't know. The world doesn't know, and the only way they're ever going to know is when we tell them. Now, we could argue the church hasn't done a very good job at telling them this, and we could argue because the church has been too worried about politics instead of evangelism, but that's a whole different podcast that I won't get into right now. Let's continue. A new study from LifeWay Research finds close to three in four Americans believe Jesus was born in Bethlehem more than 2,000 years ago. Now, that's a pretty amazing statistic. That at least gives us a foundation where to start, right? Even more say Jesus is the son of God, the father, but less than half believe that Jesus existed prior to being born on the first Christmas. So they seem to, Jesus was born He's the Son of God, but they don't believe or more about less than half believe that Jesus existed prior to being born on the first Christmas so they deny his eternality that he is the eternal Son of God he's the Son of God but that started at well his him being born right it's not even incarnational sonship it's birth sonship he became the Son of God at his birth okay which a little bit of incarnation, well, we could get into a whole of theological distinctions there. But that, again, if those are just Americans who are not a part of the church, don't claim Christianity. I mean, it, it's sad, but I, I wouldn't expect lost people to have a correct theology, right? I mean, so, okay, but what, what does, are they going to tell me how many Christians— that's what I want to know, and that's, we'll see if we can find it here in this article. It says, and I go on to say, Most Americans consider Jesus' birth a historical fact, said Scott McConnell, executive director of Lifeway Research. It can be easy to only evaluate Jesus like you would any other historical fi- figure, thinking about when he lived, what he did. However, the Bible also describes Jesus in a way that one must evaluate why you believe he was Most Americans believe his origin was from God, the Father, but half as many believe he existed before his birth. Again, they're emphasizing that. Again, I want to know how about within the church. They go on to say, More than 9 in 10 Americans, 91%, celebrate Christmas, according to to a previous Lifeway research study released this year. For most of those celebrating, uh, Christmas is about a historical occurrence. More than 7 in 10, 72%, say that Jesus say that Jesus, say the Jesus Christians believe in was born in Bethlehem more than 2000 years ago. That that's that's pretty amazing. 70 more 7 and 10, 72% say the Jesus Christians believe in was born in Bethlehem more than 2000 years ago, including 49% who strongly agree, few, 9% disagree, while 18% aren't sure. So that gives everyone at least a a good historical, I mean, it gives us a historical foundation to go, okay, so you believe Jesus was born? You believe he existed? Well, now let's talk about who he was. Let's talk about why he was born. My concern is, while we're out there, while I may say we need to tell the world that, do the people in the church even quite correctly understand? Because this, at least the headline indicates many in the church don't even understand, which would be absolutely devastating and tragic if there is any accuracy to that claim Let, let's see if they offer any support for this most americans 80% 80% agree jesus christ is the son of god the uh, son of the god the father while 10% disagree and 10% aren't sure that's even amazing that most americans believe jesus christ is the son of god well, that's that's pretty amazing the average person isn't quite sure about the son of god's existence prior to jesus birth Around two in five, 41% says God's son existed before Jesus was born in Bethlehem. Close to one in three Americans, 32% disagree, and 28% say they're not sure. The 2020 State of Theology study showed that 72% of Americans believe that there is one true God in three persons, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, McConnell said. Prophecies such as those in Isaiah 9 reflect that the Messiah... uh, Again, the state of theology showed that 72% of Americans. Now, the the state of theology study is that when they say Americans here, are they talking about Americans who profess some form of Christianity? Because I thought the theological study, because I I would have a hard time believing that 72% of just average Americans who don't go to church and don't claim to be Christian would believe that there is one true God in three persons. So I think, I think they're they're not really identifying in this article specifically who they're referring to, but this would indicate they're clearly referring to people who profess Christianity. All right. So they say that there is one God uh, and three persons, God, the Father, God, the Son, the God, the Holy Spirit. McConnell said prophecies such as those in Isaiah 9 reflect that the Messiah would be wonderful, would be the wonderful counselor, the mighty God, everlasting father, prince of peace. While these titles reflect the Trinity, some Americans do not connect the Jesus born in Bethlehem with the Messiah who already existed as God now coming in the flesh. That's bizarre. Okay, all right. The religiously unaffiliated are least likely to agree with any of these statements surrounding Jesus' birth and identity. Okay, that makes sense. But some still believe despite their stated disconnect from organized religion. Almost half, 48% believe Jesus Christ is the Son of God, the Father. A third, 33%, say Jesus was born in Bethlehem more than 2,000 years ago. And fewer than 15% believe the Son of God existed before Jesus was born. Those are the religiously unaffiliated, right? Well, I, I expect their answers to be all over the place, right? They're not connected to any religious, uh, you know, they're not, they don't name any religion, okay? But I still have a lot of knowledge about, about Jesus. Now, here's where things get interesting. Among Christians, those who attend church four times a month uh, or more are most likely to believe each of the statements about Jesus and his birth. 98% believe he is the Son of God the Father. 95% say he was born in Bethlehem 2,000 years ago. And 63% agree the Son of God existed before Jesus was born. Now, I want you: These are people who attend church four times a month. And only 63% agree that the Son of God existed before Jesus was born? What in the world is going on in those churches? 63% of people who attend church four times a month, only 63% agree uh, that the Son of God existed before Jesus was born. What in the world are you what? what? I, I don't know what's going on in those churches. I don't have a clue. I, I guarantee this. They probably have lots of programs. They have probably lots of activities. They probably don't miss a potluck, a picnic, a shopping trip, a quilting club. They probably got all of that going on. They probably have small groups galore, but... And they probably got a classroom for every for here's the Sunday school class for blonde people, for brunettes, for redheads, they for people over six foot tall. They probably got nine hundred different grip. They probably got multiple church services, but somehow they they that is what in the world? How would I mean? That is like basic Christianity that on christmas the eternal son of god was born in a major major he took upon human flesh maybe we should go back to to the basic cre- the nicene creed maybe maybe can we go back to the nicene creed i mean i, I don't under- i don't understand all right um Americans aren't always sure what motivates what what motivations Jesus ascribed to himself and his coming to Earth. When given seven options, four correct and three incorrect, for reasons the Bible records, Jesus is saying why he came. Only one choice only one choice garnered a small majority. Americans are most likely to choose a correct answer than false ones half 51% say the bible records jesus saying he came to give his life for many which jesus does say in mark 10:45 for even the son of man did come to be uh did not come to be served but to but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many around 3 in 10 americans 31% rightly say Jesus came to give uh, life and abundance. I have come that they may have life and, ha- and have it in abundance, John 10, 10, and testify to the truth. I was born for this, and I have come in the world to testify to the truth, John 18, 37. Far fewer, 9% believe that the, B- the Bible records Jesus saying he came to bring division rather than peace, despite him making that claim in Luke twelve fifty one. All altogether, only 3% of Americans recognized all four options in the list that match biblical quotes from Jesus. Again, I don't, I'm not worried about people in the world. It just demonstrates the church needs to be busy in evangelism and teaching, bringing people to to Christ and then discipling them. That That's what the church is supposed to be busy doing, even though we're, you know, busy doing everything else, but okay. Um, It says, fewer than 1 in 10 Americans falsely identified other reasons for Jesus coming to earth. 9% believe Jesus said he came to be served, which contradicts Mark 1045. 8% think he said he wanted to abolish the Old Testament law and prophets, contradicted by Matthew 517. And 8% say Jesus came to condemn sinners, which contradicts John 317. Despite widespread belief that Jesus really came to earth as a baby, there is far less familiarity with why Jesus came, However, the majority of Americans believe Jesus came to give his life for many, which is reflected in the angel's words to Joseph in Matthew 1.21. So he will give birth to a son, and you are to name him Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. Well, this article doesn't even raise the question of which people is that referring to, which you can go back and listen to yesterday's live broadcast. And that ends the news story, all right? So what do we take from all of this? I think, and, and, I, and I know I'm going to get in trouble for this, I think the church has handled Christmas and some of the most foolish, unhelpful, ungodly, and ridiculous ways imaginable. Now, I know you may think that's a little hyperbolic, but let me just go through some of the issues. One, many Christians and many churches and many religious organizations Got caught up in this whole. It's a war on Christmas, Fox News. It's a war on Christmas. It's a. It's a war on Christmas. They're trying to eliminate Christmas. What are we going to do? And they were so worried about trying to get Christmas, in a sense, protected and forced upon the lost world. Like we got to make sure that they call it a Christmas tree, not a holiday tree. They better say Merry Christmas and not Happy Holidays. And and we're going to boycott stores. And American Family, uh, American Family Association, they usually send out their December emails telling you, you know, be on the lookout. And if stores do this, you know, and Fox News yelling, there's a war on Christmas. And, you know, what are we going to do? And we got to make sure that public schools do a Christmas program, not a holiday program. And, and it seems like the church and many Christians got so preoccupied with trying to make the world celebrate. Christmas, which I've never under why are you trying to make lost people celebrate the incarnation of the eternal son of God? Why are you trying to get lost people to celebrate it? I think one of the worst things to ever happen was Christmas being made a federal holiday. It should have never been made a federal holiday, and the church should have decided when they were going to celebrate the incarnation of the Son of God and just do so. It becoming a federal holiday turned it into a secular holiday and And let the secular world celebrate the holiday however they want to do so. Why are we trying to force it? Like, you will say Merry Christmas to me! Okay, you will! You better not mention anything other than Jesus. And it's like, calm down. Why are you trying to force them to do so? And while the church was running around telling the world how to do it, right? Hey, because the church knows better than everyone else. And if you don't do it our way, we're going to seek to cancel you once again showing that Christianity was practicing cancel culture way before cancer, cancel culture became a thing, before it became a cancer, the church has been trying to practice it. While we were out there running around trying to shove it down everyone else's throats, which I don't even understand why we would even want to do that, it should be like, hey, we would like to invite you to hear about Christ not force you to tell me Merry Christmas, come to church and we'll tell you Merry Christmas, but, but oh, don't come on Christmas Day because all of our doors are gonna be locked and all the lights are gonna be turned off because we're, on Christmas, we're not there celebrating Christ, we're at home shoving food down our throats and get opening up presents to, to please ourselves. And I know that I'm going to offend some people, but I just find it absolutely insane that we're yelling at the world and what they're doing, but then on Christmas Day, if, and in many cases, even if Christmas Day falls on a Sunday, people cancel church and close their doors. But but hey, Christmas is about Jesus. Well, if it's about Jesus, then why wouldn't we be on church on Christmas? Like I, On one hand, we're like, it's about Jesus. Jesus is the reason for the season. Oh, by the way, everyone, mark your calendars on December the 25th. Oh, we won't be having church services. And oh, we may be canceling some other services because, you know, it's the Christmas holidays, so we can't have as many church services. we got to cancel church. We, we, what in the world are we doing? Well, what, like, like People don't see the utter hypocrisy in that. So on one end, we're, we're trying to force other ones to do it. And then in the meantime, this is what the church decides to do. One, cancel services. All right don't have church on on christmas oh, that's 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 catholic you can't do that as non catholics we can't do that so we can't have church on christmas typically we cancel other services or reduce uh, other teaching opportunities around the Christmas time, right? We may get rid of small groups. They may go on, uh, you know, take a a winter break. We may uh, re- they may eliminate certain services, certain certain teaching opportunities because hey, it's Christmas. We got other things to do than than to learn about Jesus. And then we reduce the entire Christmas celebration in a church. Typically, I think I call it a Christmas light service, a candlelight service. I think yesterday, the other day, I called it a Christmas light service. I don't know why. A candlelight service, okay? A, a candlelight Christmas Eve service where everyone comes together. We've we got to turn off the lights, make it beautiful, because we're going to go for those feelings, going to go for those emotions, Right play some Christmas carols, we've got to do that. Everybody holds a candle. Maybe we'll have some kids dress up like Mary and Joseph. We'll act it out. We'll read the Christmas story, maybe from Matthew or Luke, right? We read the story, uh, we sing, and and, then that pastor will say, everyone have a wonderful Christmas. You know, uh, spend time with your family, enjoy one another, and God bless, and we'll see you next year, right? And something along those lines, and then everybody goes home. Now, everybody goes home, they still don't really understand the Christmas story. They still don't really understand the doctrine or the theology because it would be insane to have your, well, you know, even if you do it on Christmas Eve, everyone comes in and says, well, open your Bibles. We're going to spend an hour tonight doing a theological overview of the incarnation of the eternal son of God, his eternality, his character, his attributes, who he was and why he came. No, 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 no. can't do that. You got to do the little candlelight service. It's all about the emotions. It's all about the production. It's all about, and I, and look, I know people love that. They love that. But the point is, you love it to your own detriment because what you need is to grow in knowledge, not to have an emotional experience. Now, I think there's a way that we could probably put the two together. Maybe you could create something simple, beautiful, that brings our attention to what happened. When Christ, the eternal Son of God, was born. But at the same time, we don't neglect the opportunity to teach doctrine and theology about it. And then, and at the and most importantly, be consistent. It's like, you know, hey, kids, this is about Jesus. It's about Jesus. And and Christmas is when we celebrate his birthday. Even if we don't, even if we're not sure that he was born on that day, it's the day that we we celebrate it. Okay, fine, we can get into a whole discussion about that. But even if you're going to say this is the day it's about Jesus, but then on that day, <laughs> the church is closed and they're home opening up 37 presents. And I'm not saying it's wrong to have presents. I'm not saying that. I'm not. Please hear what I'm trying to say. I'm trying to find that we put the right, the, the main thing, the main thing. So how about, hey guys, and what I, you know, the way we always did it, we opened presents before Christmas day, number one. So we still did presents. We just did it before Christmas Day. Sometime opening up maybe one or two leading up and then any all the rest would be opened up on Christmas Eve, right? Christmas Eve, there you go. And then Christmas Day, we wake up and we have church. Now, sometimes we do it in the morning, maybe 10 a.m., 11. I think we've done it later in the afternoon, three o'clock. 4. We've, I always let the church kind of pick the time. I try to get kind of like a basic majority and say, that's when we're going to do it. And then we just have a church service. I don't make it a big deal. I don't try to come in and, and try to, I think maybe when I was younger, maybe I tried to make a, a, a prove a point, but the, the uh, and maybe try to preach longer than maybe I should have. I, I think I pretty, I got out of that relatively quick. But the point is, is we're just going to have a church service. We're going to come, we're going to sing. We may sing, sing a few extra, you know, hymns, quote unquote, Christmas carols, things that refer, refer to the birth of Christ. We will do that. And then I would open your Bibles and let's go. We, we, let's preach. Now, sometimes it's more devotional. Sometimes it's more theological. Sometimes sometimes we, we deal with, uh, I think one year we dealt with the Christological heresies in the early church. And people are like, that was your Christmas sermon on the Christological heresies of the early church? Are you kidding me? nobody wants to hear that well I, I know that's why we have a small church in the middle of nowhere but you know what the people need to know the christological heresies that goes back to the early church the a- 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 arianism and all of those all of the different heresies early on modalism sabellianism those are those issues pertain to christ as well but um there, there's things we can do. And even if you don't believe that you need to have a Christmas day service, even if you don't believe that, well, if you're going to have your Christmas Eve service, what you, what's it there for? Are, is it there to equip so there won't be tossed to and fro with everyone to doctrine? Or is it there to create a, an emotion, a mood? What what what's your, And then all of the big like Christmas plays and extravaganzas and, and acting it out and on in the living nativities and all of these things, these churches do, these churches go, I mean, we, we listened to uh, some, a big Presbyterian church. I, I, I played a podcast of it where they were doing their, all the, we listened to all of their a Christmas extravaganzas that they were doing—it was crazy. Hundreds and hundreds of volunteers for and they, for their you know, drive-through nativity, where they're going to have camels and hundreds of volunteers to make it happen. And I'm like, what? in the world is all of that. What? What? Why can't you just say, hey, we're going to really dig in to the uh, deity of Christ and the and the Trinity uh, this year, and we're going, but it's everything's got to be a big, spectacular, extravaganza production. And I just don't know, is that really what it's supposed to be about? I, I will say, if if this is an indication, it may, may indicate that a lot of our big productions and extravaganzas hasn't really accomplished anything of significance other than entertain a lot of people. Because what it seems like people need is a correct understanding of Christ's eternality, being the eternal son of God. The doctrine of the Trinity and the basic deity of Christ. Is, is that, am I, am I missing something? You you tell me, You you tell me now, look, I'm not, please hear me. I'm not trying to create a situation where you become super critical of what your church is doing or what your church is going to do. You just got to make the, if that's the best church you can find, make the most of it. You don't have to be like a Pharisee and, and pick at everything and just condemn it and have a bad attitude. I'm not saying that. What you can do is look for ways to encourage. There, there's a big difference of encouraging a pastor versus you're wrong, okay? I, I I don't know when church members are ever gonna figure this out. Sometimes it's like, I'm gonna call you on Monday and tell you everything you did wrong. There's ways to encourage and it's amazing but a little bit of encouragement may actually lead the pastor to do some of those things that you think may need to be done if you do it in a more encouraging way now now if they're doing something completely wrong and and absolutely just insane then you may have to you may have to decide that's not the place for you that's that's different but i'm saying that Sometimes you're just, your church does all of those things, mainly in many cases just uh, blindly because that's the way they've always done it. There's following tradition. And in many cases, people love all of those things. And you may not be able to get them to stop some of the, what I think is nonsense and clearly nowhere in any way, shape or form. Do we find an example of it in scripture or even commanded in scripture? But I think in some cases you, you can say, instead of trying to fight that, encourage, well, hey, do you think maybe we could you could have a sermon in the next couple of weeks leading up to Christmas that really covers the eternality of Christ, the doctrine of the, the doctrine of the hypostatic union, the doctrine of the Trinity, and really get into these serious theological issues and maybe outline some of the major Christological uh, heresies that has gone through the church and just and just and you just not saying that hey you're doing something wrong but hey do you think you could do this I would really love to hear this you know and in a more an encouraging way. I, try to do that instead of just being critical. And then whatever happens, happens. You, you, you can only, you can't, you, there's only so much you can control. And then just try to make sure you have a right attitude, not a wrong attitude. And then just make the most of it and just try to make, yes, You and, and this is very important. You don't want Christmas, I, I have to at least offer this word of warning, Yes, we, we care about doctrine and theology, and we want it to be about Christ, but don't so, if you're not careful, especially with children, this is so very, very important, and, and, I, and I probably need to do a podcast on this. Some Christians who, who care about doctrine, care about theology, care about making it about Christ, they have the right attitude, they have the right motivation, they have the right desire, but if you're not careful, you so impose... Christmas becoming this theological issue that for an unregenerate child, right? I mean, and even if the child is regenerate, they're still young. You got to give them some time to grow in their faith. It, It can almost ruin Christmas to the point that they grow up bitter about it, resentful for it, and that they felt like all of Christmas was ruined. Now, I'm not saying, now listen to me very carefully. I don't I do not in any way, shape, or form promote the idea of of creating a lie and, like, trying to tell them that the, the, the large— I will, I'll say this just in case kids are listening. I don't want to, you know, create a war in your family. But I don't believe in creating a lie, telling your children that a larger man who wears a red suit and, you know, has a beard, it truly exists. I don't think you should do anything to create a fake— narrative that someone who doesn't exist exists. It's no problem letting them view that person just like they view any other fictitious character, right? Hey, there's this fictitious character, here's this cute story that a lot of people tell around Christmas time, and he's not he's he's not real, but what we worship is the the incarnation of Christ. You can help them understand that Christmas is about the birth of Christ, which is true, which is real. That's what we celebrate, but there's all of these other fun stories around Christmas time that are not real, but they're fun, and they're okay. And instead of just going full-blown like, no, and yelling and screaming, you can can find a way, because if you're not careful, then all of your kids are going to grow up and remember is, well, Christmas was a horrible time. No fun, horrible, no good memories, resentful, and bitter. You don't want that. And again, you have to realize if you're dealing with an unregenerate heart, you, you got how do you balance that out and I, and there's got and i know that there it's hard finding that balance right hard finding that you because on one hand it is very frustrating that i mean well it's 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 what happens when you make it a secular holiday right the holiday we want to make it about christ but it's a secular holiday so all of the secular ideas and secular traditions are going to be there so you just have to here are the here are the fun stories and the kind of the the cultural fun things that they've added to Christmas, and yes, they're fun. You can have fun with them. Remember that these ideas and concepts are not what Christmas is really about. Christmas is about an actual historical event, and that's the birth of Christ. Now, of course, they're going to find the cultural stories far more exciting and far more fun because it requires, well, it requires faith and a converted—you have to be converted and a believer before you truly appreciate what occurred in Bethlehem two, over two thousand years ago? I mean, you have to have, you have to see. You can only appreciate it through faith. And if you don't have faith, you're like Jesus, baby, born in a manger, died for bad things that I may do. Or wait, here's this guy, and he goes to all these houses and brings presents. Hmm, I know which one I'm more excited about, and you can't blame a kid for that. You can't blame the kid. You just got to let them know that that one is not a real story. It's just like, and you can name whatever other fictitious characters they love, movies, cartoons, whatever uh, ones that you think are great that your kids are, are fond of. See how? See that's a fun story. That's this is nothing more than just another fun story, right? And you, you're, yeah, you're going to really wish that they cared more about Jesus, but you can't you can't expect that. That requires faith, and and the more the closer you grow to to God. And the more you see your sin, look, the only thing that makes Christmas truly special is an overwhelming awareness of one's own sin. When I am so overwhelmed with my sin, then I hear the Christmas story of the eternal son of God taking on human flesh to come and die not only to die for me, but come to obey the law that condemns me so that his obedience will one day be imputed to my account by faith, then the Christmas story takes on a far new, more dramatic, meaningful thing. Sometimes we want to capture an emotion for Christmas. Christmas is simply the celebration that me, a sinner, without Christmas, would be condemned and in eternity separated from a holy God. That's the celebration Someone who doesn't have faith cannot truly appreciate that. A child cannot truly appreciate that until they have convicted about the reality of their sin and say, what do I do about my sin? Well, you remember Christmas? I know you loved all the presents and you loved the stories about reindeers and all of that. But remember, we kept telling you that little baby who was born was the eternal son of God. Well, now that you feel the guilt of your sin, that's where you go. You remember the baby born in that manger who now was going to, who grew up and kept all of God's law for you and then hung on a cross to pay for your sins. Be grateful for that Christmas gift of the eternal son of God. You will never truly appreciate that until you're aware of your sin. If you really want to appreciate Christmas, meditate deeply On your sinfulness. The more you see your sinfulness, the more you will celebrate and appreciate the gift that was given to you in Christ Jesus, the eternal Son of God. All right, so there you go. Just some thoughts. I think all of those thoughts are relevant to the story. You can tell me what you think. I know there's going to be much disagreement here. I, that's perfectly okay. Most people think I'm crazy, and they're going to be more than happy with church to just carry on as business as usual with all of the fun, all the festivities, all of the emotions. That's wonderful, but one day, someday, the American church is going to have to realize that we're, we have created so we have created a situation where there's so much theological confusion, theological illiteracy, biblical illiteracy church history illiteracy and it's the church's own doing. All right, you can email me. Newsif at yahoo.com. Newsif at yahoo.com. All right. It is now 6.38. So I guess I'm gonna go home. I I I could stay here maybe one time. I just need to come out here at like three in the afternoon and see if I can literally broadcast from three in the afternoon till say seven in the morning. Like just go like a or maybe go from three in the afternoon to three in the next afternoon. I don't know if I it, it would have to work out all of the logistics, but I, I don't. I think I could do it. I think I could. I think I don't know if my voice would hold up. I don't know, or I don't know if my brain. I think my brain could hold up. I don't know if my voice would hold up. I, I could go without the sleep without no problem, but then it would be funny how <laughs> the longer I go, I don't know because my voice can 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 wear out. But that that's. That's just neither here nor there all right here we go all right let's uh um, yeah I'm, I'm currently looking at the imitation of Christ but Thomas Kemp is going oh I needed to do that today because we are uh, on chapter three a good peaceable man but we don't have time to do that tonight so all right everyone have a great one and whatever you do for Christmas just don't don't become uh, a, don't don't allow whatever is happening around you to ruin it just remember, you focus on your own sin and celebrate the gift that's been given to you and make the best of the situation you're in. Seek encouragement more than just division or schism and encourage maybe just, even if it's just one little thing that gets added to what happens, that would be, that would be a win and just take whatever you can. And obviously if it's something goes horribly, horribly wrong, which enters into massive sin or blasphemy or Completely, just unacceptable. Yeah, you got to draw the line there. But in many cases, you know, you just got to make the best of what you have in front of you. All right, and uh, just try to make it a great time for your children, so they don't resent everything you did. Um, because again, you if, especially if they're unregenerate. I mean, what 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 do you expect? And even 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 if they've made a profession of faith, they're a babe in Christ. Like literally, they're physically. They're not only emotionally, intellectually. I mean, there, there's the immaturity is already there, so you can't expect them to go, hey, I'm now a Christian and I'm eight and I want to study the doctrine of the Trinity. Okay, you, you've got to give them a little bit of a leeway there, a little bit, and how to work all of that within Christmas. I know so many questions, so many issues arise, and there's not always easy answers. And, and sometimes people feel that my perspective makes it more difficult on them, and I don't want it to be more difficult on them. I just hate the whole thing I really do the whole thing I just wish it never became a federal holiday i really I wish it was never a federal holiday, and uh then we can just we could just pick a day to remember the incarnation of the eternal Son of God, but you know. Now, now that's the day set aside on a calendar. And then people get all back. It's, you know, wait, well, it's connected to this and pagan. Whatever it was connected to in paganism has long been forgotten. And, and even if you can try to go, well, see, that's similar and that's similar. Don't. It doesn't matter what day picked on the calendar. You can find it connected to something within paganism. Even the very name of the days of the week and is connected to a paganism. So I I, I I hate when people go crazy on in that direction. Look, the Bible talks about the incarnation of the Son of God. It's something we can remember and something we can celebrate. All right, it got picked on day, December the 25th. We don't know when he was actually born. So I got no problem celebrating that. It's a biblical story. Now, all of the other things that's a part of the secular holiday, okay, it's part of the secular holiday. But it has connected to paganism. Are you worshiping something pagan? Are you doing something according to pagan practices? Or are you just doing a secular holiday that's about family and gifts and all of that? You can do all of those things. Just don't let it destroy what remembering Christ and how to balance that out. No one has ever figured out a good method. And I don't have it either. Other than the one thing I know I can do is I can say on Christmas Day, we're going to have church. One hour. Hour and ten minutes, we're gonna have church. That's the best. I I can't fix everything else, but I can at least say we're gonna come together and we're gonna we're gonna sing, we're gonna thank God for sending His Son Jesus, and we're gonna open up God's Word and we're gonna hear it taught. And sometimes it'll be about Christmas, sometimes it'll be about whatever. but we're gonna study God's Word, and we're and and we're doing so to just recognize that this day we are saying it's about Christ and the Bride of Christ coming together on well the the day set aside to celebrate the birth of Christ, I think that that's, that's the best we can do. There's a lot of other things I don't have answers to, but that's one thing I think is easy to do, All right? You can email me newsif at yahoo.com, newsif at yahoo.com. Everyone have a great night. God bless.